Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Faith Middleton here with your welcome toast. It was Jim Butcher who said, I made a sandwich out of things. I'm an American. We can eat anything as long as it's between two pieces of bread. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. And that's exactly what we're doing on the show, because it happens to be Mark's birthday, Mark Raymond. We have champagne in our studio for that occasion, a little bottle of Paul Roger's. Thank you, Mark. We are at our studios at Gateway Community College. I call it the Big G. We have five culinary kitchens from their education program, a TV studio. It's a riot. My treasured food buddies are here. Birthday boy Mark Raymond, uh, senior contributor, and also senior contributor Alex Province, who is in our sister studio, public radio station KJZZ. We love them. And Chris Prosperi, our senior contributor on the show. Hey, everybody. Robin Julian Aiken, our senior producer. Hey. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what we'd like you to do, because Mark has been on a vacation with his family. And so we thought, what fun would it be if we asked you to send us a vacation picture? It could be of you. It could be of something you saw. It goes to, on Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. We would love to get a vacation shot from you. We're all going to post one, and we're going to talk about our vacations, but mostly we want to hear from you. If you have got a vacation shot, it could be right here in our broadcast region because we know you can vacation at home, or you could be absolutely anywhere or maybe a little jokey, uh, you know, your version of vacation, please send us a shot. Mark, Yeah. to start this off, what'd you just do? Well, we went 10 days to Spain. Nice. Yeah, it was an absolute incredible journey with Mary and I and the two kids. Uh, We started out in Barcelona for three days, and then we went up to a little town called Girona or Girona, Game of Thrones was actually filmed there, and which is really cool. Yeah. I guess they've done a lot of locations in Spain. What was really cool is in this old historic village, which they have beautiful cathedrals and castles, they had this little sort of chapel set up where you could walk in and take a picture of yourself on the Iron Throne. No. And wear the costume did and you? the crown, and of course I did. Awesome! So Want to see those I pictures? Said, I, I said that. I uh, see your Christmas card. 
I'm Jon Snow. <laughs> Winter's coming. <laughs> so then um, we went out to a beach town called mm. La Scala, which is on mm. the Mediterranean side of the mm. ocean. Oh, nice. get to the food and wine. Oh. <laughs> we went to Lagroño, capital of Rioja, nice. where we went tapa hopping on yeah, Laurel Street. Can you describe them, what they're like? These little pinchos, you also call them. So it might be a pepper stuffed with cod. One of the most simple ones that I saw, which was in San Sebastian, a classic pipara pepper, pickled pipara pepper with an anchovy and an olive. And it's just on a toothpick. Uh And you just pop it into your mouth. And they put usually like five or six of them on a plate for you, and they're absolutely delicious. Is that dinner, these little small plates? Well, they can add up to dinner. But one of my favorite ones was this bar in Logroño, Bar Angel. This guy has made millions, and he makes one tapa. That's it. It's a stack of button mushrooms a la plancha in garlic, and then there's a little shrimp on top, and it's put on a skewer. And this place Uh, is always packed. Beautiful. It's absolutely delicious. And a little glass of Rioja. Yeah. Oh, Oof. is that the It was best? so amazing. Oh, you're going to start us off, right? You're going to post a picture. So if I you, might do a couple. We're inviting you, as you heard, on our Facebook site to post one of your vacation pictures, and that's at Faith Middleton Fuchmoose on Facebook. Alex, I know you're going off on a cross <laughs> – what, what would you call it? A cross-desert <laughs> trip. An overland in, expedition. <laughs> where are you going? We have a Jeep that we just lifted to three and a half inches. Nice. Got bigger tires. Oh, nice. This is so not me. I want pictures of that. <laughs> and uh, we're going to take all dirt roads from Phoenix all the way to Telluride and then across the Rocky Mountains into Moab, Utah, and then all the way back to Phoenix. And we'll be living out of this Jeep. Do you know where you're stopping for food and drink? How are you going to do that? Coolers and dry ice. And there's campsites along the way. Basically, we'll have to be self-sufficient. We'll carry tons of water, food, extra fuel. It's kind of like backpacking, but you're in a Jeep. That wow. sounds so cool, okay. right? And, you know, I just wanted to say I love this look you have with the, the sleeves rolled up like that. I just, <laughs> yeah, I Matt love it. and his tank top. You're looking yeah. good. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. A- Bandana wrapped <laughs> yeah, around yeah. the head. Desert with the sunglasses. Desert people. I'm looking tough. I know. It's just very, very um, Spanish Covered with dust. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Okay, and Robin, you're off to... Vermont, which seems so quaint compared to where you guys no. are. Vermont's beautiful this time well, of year. It is quaint. You, which, You're which going your up to the wall. Food experience. <laughs> well, what do you think? My my big plan is to go to both the Cabot Cheese Place. That's oh, their yeah. Yeah, yeah, their headquarters is there. Oh, yeah. And I'm also going to King Arthur Flower. Oh, that's oh, great. Yeah. So, yeah. Be yeah. jealous of me. Yeah. I, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I've been to both those locations. Because I've You'll heard the it. word croissant coming out of her yep. mouth many, yes. many times. Mm-hmm. So. Chris, you're just back from Austria. That's where my mom's family's from. So I spent five days in Vienna with my cousin. She took me to some amazing classic Viennese restaurants. And the food would be like? Schnitzel and spetzle mm. and the soccer tort from the Hotel Soccer. So oh, we had to go in there. Oh, and then something that. I didn't know until this trip was all the coffee shops where all the, the oh, musicians okay. and the poets mm. and used to hang out in in the 1800s. And you go in these places and they have coffee and little desserts and you just sit in there mm. for hours just talking. Oh. It was the best part of my trip. Well, I'm staying close to home this year going to – 
Tanglewood and the Berkshires back to a cottage in Connecticut on the shore and then off to Cape Cod. Very local this year. New England summer vacation. In the fall, going to Italy with a group of listeners. We're going to Puglia, so that will take up that thing. Faith, are you going to do the uh, $300 clams while you're on the (laughs) Cape? So it my, may have gone up. What? My right, family lives in Chatham on the Cape. Okay. I love clamming and clams oh, and fishing sure. and the whole yeah. thing. I get your little Although I don't, shovel. I don't get to do it very much. Yeah. So I decided when I was with them the last time, as Alex knows, to go do this. I went to the town be- oh, to, to make sure, and they said, okay, you need a license. Are <gasps> you local? And I said, well, my family. And they said, no, no, you personally. And I said, no, I don't live with them. And they said, okay, so you've got to have the license. It was $300. To get what? A dozen clams? I I stood there. (laughs) What's that per clam? And I thought, you know what? This is the craziest thing I have ever done. But if I don't do this, I will feel so depressed. So better to take the hit about the money than to not do this. And so I did it. And All so right. it was about get? $25 a clam. <laughs> <laughs> but they were really good. They were really good oh, clams. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah, they don't they, get any fresher. I know. I was thinking, thank God for the internet, the internet machine, I should say. But, you know, what do I do to keep the sand? Should I put oatmeal in the water? I was going, it's most stressful. Yeah, these are $300 clams, people. <laughs> yeah, we need these to be clean. Stressful experience. Correctly. <laughs> Okay, let's do a little – we got to do a corn thing because we're yeah. in, still in prime corn oh, season. Yeah. Mark, this way that we learned from Cook's Illustrated yeah. how to get the silk off the cob and it involves the microwave. It works and it's, it's brilliant. So you take the corn, the corn, the end where the little stem comes off, cut off that end. To the okay. first row. Yeah, it opens up the bottom end yep. of the corn up. Put four or five years into a microwave. For 30 to 60 seconds. And then when they come out, you grab the silk end with the yeah. husk and you shake furry it. End, the furry yeah. end. Yep. And you shake it, and the corn falls right out of the ear for you. So amazing. Chris, let me do a test for mm-hmm. you and Alex. Here's your choice corn should be eaten the day it's picked, or it can sit around in the refrigerator. It can sit around. I've had bad experience with corn laying around. I think it's best fresh. Okay. The answer is that with Modern versions, the way corn has been hybridized, sweeter and all of that, it can sit around. And in fact, in the refrigerator, doesn't harm it. You know how we all thought no refrigerator for the corn because it's starting to deteriorate and the sugar is going away? The new versions, it's not like that anymore. It's another (laughs) corn fact. I have to admit I cheated because I hang out with a corn farmer. I didn't cheat. I already knew because I really do hang out with a corn farmer. Young's Farm in Granby grows the best corn. And we're always talking about the new varieties. And he plants different varieties every year, you know, to try things. And, of course, he knows what grows best. But these new hybrids are not like the older versions where you really did have to pick them and then cook them or the the sugar turned to starch and then they got really, like, starchy tasty. Yeah, yeah. But these new hybrids have so much sugar in them now that doesn't happen as fast. So I wonder what I'm doing wrong then because if I leave my corn laying around. A couple days later, it feels like dried out. Do you shuck it first? Mm-mm. Be- I just because that's it, one uh, thing you don't want to do. You want to leave the husk on. And Faith said refrigerator, right? 
Maybe that's it. That's yeah. it, Alex. That's, safe. Just, that's the yeah. Refrigerator so it slows the process down. That's right. what it did. The cool yep. temperature. That's right. Chris is the engineer. Yeah. You know this idea. Since we're talking about vacations on Facebook, you know we last time told you if you're on vacation and you're searching through drawers you don't know and trying to get all kinds of devices and thinking, do I have to go buy that? Everybody forgets um, wine cork, cork if they drink. Yeah. So, Chris, you have a tip for how to pound, say, the chicken sure. thin. Saute pan and plastic wrap. Take your oh. chicken breast and lay it on a cutting board. Take plastic wrap and put it over the top. Right. And then you take a small, like a six-inch or even an eight-inch saute pan. Mm. And you can basically use it as a hammer and pound it thin. I also will do, if I can't find a pepper mill, and all I have is peppercorn. I'll take the pepper corns on a different cutting board and put plastic over the top. You can just keep hitting them with the back of the saute pan and then you get your ground peppered like that. So yeah, yeah there's and always your therapy. a way. And your therapy. <laughs> and your therapy. Especially <laughs> if the kids were having a rowdy day, totally. Hey, I was in a restaurant. The thing that got me excited unexpectedly, I looked at the straw that was served with the iced teas and everything mm. and it was made by a company that it's called Aardvark, and these were paper straws. And oh, the yeah. restaurant was saying, we've converted. Yep. Good. And, yeah, Robin brought in an issue of National Geographic largely about the planet or plastics, mm. our choice. Mm. 18 billion pounds of plastic end up in the ocean every year, and that's just the tip of the plastic icebergs. Yep. That's the story. Whoa. Yeah, so I sad. definitely see it. In my restaurant, we got rid of all our plastic and we're now using paper. The to-go containers, we don't do straws anymore. Our skewers for like martinis now, we do reusable stainless steel. Getting rid of all that. It's a lot Whatever. of plastic at the end of the year. Bamboo utensils. Bamboo yeah. utensils. Yeah, no more nice. plastics. In uh, National Geographic, there's a page that says, here are some things that you can do to help out. One single individual is not going to change anything, but if everybody starts going in this direction, the market starts to say, there's money to be made here, and they start. I walk down the supermarket aisle, and my heart sinks when I see all the plastic stuff. So mm. they're saying toothbrushes that have those oh, plastic yeah. handles. You actually can buy wooden handles. You can? But if you're there are now toothbrushes that have the head. You can replace just the head. It pops right oh, that's out. that's a great Oh, idea. wow. There is a metal reusable straw. Yeah. Now, we were talking yeah. about the paper sure. ones. Yeah. The six-pack ring on any six-pack of anything, yep. be it soda or alcohol, is now being made by some companies yep, compostable. Them. Yeah, we've had them actually. Oh. And you see that at a lot of our markets, they're saying five cents a bag, a plastic bag, yes. if you yeah. don't bring your own. And many good-hearted markets are mm -hmm. saying, and we'll donate that five cents to the local hospital. Perfect. So mm -hmm. at my market, they're up to $10,000 already for wow. the local hospital. That's crazy. Wow. And they're heading for, they, they want to hit $15,000. So that's 15, just, think about how much plastic that is, right? You know, sometimes, even though I have the best of intentions, I simply forget. Yeah. Or I stop yeah. by at the last minute, mm -hmm. and then I am buying a plastic bag, but it I love it that it's going to the hospital somehow that is kind of recycling. And those plastic bags don't even work well. They put one item in and you end up with 50 of them to Oh yeah, you know, if you got if you have any glass you got to use two because right you don't want a glass bottle falling out. Cloth bags are better. Robin was showing me in uh, this National Geographic this statistic where they said 
the life of a plastic bag that we use so frequently is just a few hours over the whole life of itself, and then it lasts about a million years in the dump. We have a small market across the street from us in Simsbury, and they still have paper. Remember when they were all paper? Yeah. They've got to be the last market on earth still using paper bags. Here's a a company, uh, a type of company that could really use some help. On occasion, the frozen foods that I buy are in some kind of recyclable container, and I feel good about putting that in the microwave. But a lot of the companies that are good companies, I know they are in terms of the quality of the food in the container, the container is still plastic. And I feel really nervous about putting that kind of plastic Mm -hmm. in a microwave for my own health and for the planet's health. All right. Here's here's what we've got coming up. Alex, I know you're a wine guy, and we have a Vermentino from Italy. This is a white that is so beautiful from the Tuscany region. And we'll tell you about that. That's after this very quick break. And I have a tip on a place that has been recently rated as having one of the best hamburgers in New York. It's in the village. We're going to tell you about that shortly. Don't forget to send us your vacation pick on Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Also coming up, the Great Grilled Cheese book, which is grown-up recipes for a childhood classic. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry, and we'll be right back. Faith Middleton, and you can sign up for a free podcast of the show, a copy. It will arrive in your inbox every week. Just go to foodschmooze.org once, enter your information, and then it comes to you. You have your own little archive, and you can listen on your schedule. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine brokers Alex Province and Mark Raymond, senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken. Okay, the New York Times and a lot of other people have been talking about this place. I love the name of this place. It's called The Happiest Hour. It's in the village. I always think of it as a place to go in for cocktails. It turns out they have one of the greatest hamburgers in the city of New York. So if you're going in and you don't want to spend $18,000, this is a great place to go. The happiest hour to have a drink of any kind, alcohol, Mm non-alcohol, and their burger. The $12 happiest burger 
is kind of a tribute to the In-N-Out Burger in California. And it's pretty much, I remember the time saying it's a showstopper. I just am crazy about good burgers. And even though I'm trying to eat less red meat, that burger just calls mm. to me. One of the coolest things when we were talking earlier about my trip to Spain Burger places are everywhere in Spain. Is the that a lady, thing with them or is it – to them, is uh, it international? It's a, a type of food that they really, really enjoy. And you find like in the little town of San Sebastian, <laughs> there's a burger place called um, – Burger Bun. No. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, – in, in, in the little town of San Sebastian. <laughs> no, that's not right. When I was a kid visiting my grandparents, I was walking down the street with my mom, and I'm like, are there McDonald's? And my mom's like, oh, sweetie, there's no McDonald's in Spain. I said, okay, fine, a Wendy's. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then my aunt and uncle brought me to the Burger Bun. Burger Bun. Seriously? Did it taste like a hamburger? Joke. Oh my God! There really was one. <laughs> wow. So there's this great place in San Sebastian, and it's called Va Bene. Va Bene. It's an mm-hmm. Italian name. Yeah. You walk into the place, and it's like an American diner. Old fifties signs oh, up all gosh. over the place. Really? And it's so way. cool. Yeah. And the burgers, the burgers. are delicious. <laughs> Alex, you're in our Phoenix sister station, KJZZ, and there's this thing going on there. Tell us. You know how in the Northeast when it's snowy in the middle Mm -hmm. of winter, people go and get fresh uh, snow and put like maple syrup on it just Mm -hmm. to make winter a little more fun? Snow cones. Snow cones. Here in Arizona when it's so hot, we're in this middle of a heat wave, it's going to like 116 degrees. Matt sends me a picture of people in the parking lot bringing cookies in to their friends at work. And what they're doing is they're baking chocolate chip cookies on their dashboard. No. So, get out. so the inside of the car becomes the oven. How are they doing it? Park in a sunny spot. You roll up all the windows, get rid of any air freshener, and you get chocolate chip cookies. You can either buy the dough or make your own. And after lunch, once the car is nice and heated, you just put them on your dashboard on some parchment paper. And if you buy a little inexpensive <laughs> thermometer, you can aim it out the window so you don't have to open up the doors. And this car gets up to like 180 degrees. And You're like, baking in your car. In about two hours or three hours. And as long as the thermometer hits 160, you've killed all the germs. Yeah, sure. And then these people carry these trays of cookies into their friends, into work. And they're Fresh doing baked. it with like s- strawberries. You can put some chocolate bars on top. <laughs> and then it'll melt like in half hour. And then you put it in the work freezer. And then everyone has chocolate-covered strawberries. You can take graham crackers, put a marshmallow, a little chocolate, make a s'more in about half hour. So it's this thing out here that everyone's baking inside of their cars. And what? Like, you know, the can you imagine the work crazy. parking lot? What are you having oh, yeah. for lunch? Yeah. Wow. It's, what company is this? I it's, have to it, work there. It, it's, a, it's a widespread thing. So people do it all over the place. And the do. theme seems to be you do it at lunch and then you bring in the baked products into, you yeah. know, into your friends Share at work. with your coworkers. The cookies actually do get cooked. They're not just melting. They don't brown, so the sugar doesn't caramelize, but, mm-hmm. but they're crunchy and, and um, crunchy, just kind of huh? fun. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That, that is cool, I right? absolutely yeah. love that. That's and amazing. you know what you're reminding me of? Does anyone remember back in the day when Robert Krulwich, mm-hmm. who was on Radio Lab, he was a senior contributor at NPR, and he did the most extraordinary pieces. And one time... He came on, and it was one of these massive heat waves. 
And he decided to go out on the sidewalk and see which item either cooked or melted fastest. So he had he put a chocolate bar on the sidewalk. He put a raw egg and, I don't know, an ice cube. And so it was a race to see what were the activities of these three items. And then he did his report on which one won, what were the properties in that thing that made it either cook or melt faster. It was absolutely amazing. Here we go. There is a a discovery. I was in a bar uh, sitting, having cocktails, chatting with people, as everybody does, at 18 Bay, a restaurant on Shelter Island on the east end of, of Long Island. And it is just a wonderful restaurant and great bar. And I meet these two people. We get chatting. And finally, I said, you know, what do you do? And they said, well... We have a cheese truck. And I said, you do? And they said, yeah, want to see it? We live right across the street. So it's pitch black, and we stumble over to the yard. He flicks on a light switch. A food truck that looks like a carriage lights up. I stand in the window of it, and I look at him, and he says, you stay there. And he does what he does. It's called King Andrew Cheese. And he does a cheese flight tasting through that window. So he has cheese caves all over the truck. Oh, my God. These cheeses are from all over the world. He's worked at so many cheese shops around the world and knows everything about cheese. So we have on the line Reeve Andrew, and he does this truck with Jesse King. Reeve, welcome to the Food Schmooze. Thank you so much, Faith. As far as I can tell, researching this, you might be the only person in the country doing this. Is that correct? I believe so. We are the only cheese wagon in the whole country. Mobile cheese shop. So this isn't grilled cheese sandwiches the way other food trucks do. These are cheese flights. So you can do, say, three at a time, five at a time. We have some preset flights, which we build to order, three, five, or eight and uh, we offer a mix and match of cheeses and charcuterie. Where do you go? You go to private parties, I know. Do you go to festivals? We do. Every year we go to the food truck derby that's hosted by Edible East End at the Hayground School in Bridgehampton. We service the wineries of the North Fork. So far we have mostly Hmm. been at the Lens Winery in Peconic. Let's talk about the kinds of cheeses you might feature And the excitement for you of turning people on to different flavors from around the world. For many of our customers, it's really the first time that they have tasted cheese so good before. Mm. We do our best to collect cheeses from all over Europe and the United States. We invite people to come to the window and immediately give them a taste of something. We start with something like Gouda or cheddar that is perhaps a cheese that most folks are familiar with, but they haven't tasted uh, what we have yet, perhaps. And Hmm. in terms of the depth of the consistency with a little crunchy character, sweet, savory, depth of flavor from a really well-aged cheese. And do you do with them what you did with me in the dark of night? Do you stand there in the window and then explain the flight? Because they don't know what a cheese flight is necessarily, perhaps they've had a wine or a beer flight before, but we try to make everyone feel comfortable immediately by simply giving them small tastings, describing the cheeses to them, and then asking them which ones they like best. 
we offer to prepare a flight with their own little pairings of jam, pickle, or honey. Here's what's happening right now. In our studio, <laughs> we're all shaking our heads at each other like, oh, wouldn't How do you, I get to the wagon? Do, don't yeah. you want the wagon yeah. to pull the up wagon at your house? Up. In, my, in my driveway, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, you could build a whole party around this. Oh. Yeah. You could get married around this. You know what I mean? Anything. Oh. Go ahead. I just love it because it seems like we maxed out. Like every food truck's been done. And here you come and we have a whole uh, new one again. And the cheese was remarkable. I mean, top flight cheeses. And How many have, compartments? I call them cheese caves because their temperatures are yeah. set very specifically. Other people would look at them and say, oh, a refrigerator. But actually, it's very carefully temperature controlled. How many of those do you have in the truck? Three of them, in fact. And mm -hmm. uh, each of them has their own compartments, keeping the cheese at the right temperature and the right humidity allows for the quality to not only be maintained, but often be improved upon. So we end up holding on to some cheeses for quite some time and ripening them ourselves. That's Isn't this fun? This is so awesome. Now, you I don't do this. wine, though, correct? That's why you are pulling the truck up at different wineries you have a partnership with. Uh, right. it, this, in this case, mostly lens on the east end of Long Island. But you can imagine if you're having a party and you do this, to be introduced to what these cheeses are like from around the world and to see the differences based on what the cows or the goats are eating at uh, any given time, what time of year they're eating that thing affects the flavor and the texture. And the ripeness, right? I mean, that's the key to these caves. It's Absolutely. having the cheese at the peak ripeness. And it's like a wine. There's a time to drink a particular wine. Cheeses are like this. They yeah. have a life of their own. It's such an amazing thing. King Andrew cheese. They're on our website, foodschmooze.org. We'll connect you with them. I bet they make the best macaroni and cheese with all their the ends of all the cheeses they collect. <laughs> we do. We love to make mac and cheese. We don't have it for sale yet, but perhaps someday. Um, <laughs> I do know, we love to eat mac and cheese. We eat cheese all the time. So, And as you mentioned, it's a living thing. It's a living food. And we, we present them when they are at their peak ripeness, when they are tasting most beautifully. Well, fun. Really fun. So much will I do. Yeah. Reeve, thank you so much. We'll be looking to find you every which place. Oh, I, mean, I look we, forward to visiting, for we, sure. We, we are big food truck fans, but especially with something like this. This is really just awesome. I was just thinking how easy it would be to pull your carriage up onto the ferry mm. and get go you over. over to New London. Yeah, get I was you thinking into of Connecticut. Now, now you're in Connecticut. Now you're in eastern Connecticut. We absolutely mm -hmm. would go to Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> you could float right over to Madison. I'll tell you, I, I'm thinking some of, the, some of the wine events that we do, would, this would be a <laughs> – a great yeah. opportunity for you oh, guys boy. to showcase. Just fabulous. Thank you so much, Reeve. And Absolutely. Uh, King Andrew Cheese at foodschmooze.org. To see our schedule, it's on our website, thecheesecarriage.com. And uh, you can invite us to come to Connecticut uh, over there. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we might do that. Thank you. So we tried a wine before the show and loved it. It is called a Vermentino from the Tuscany region. Alex, can you tell us about Vermentino? 
It's one of those wines that people forget to drink. They're usually inexpensive. They're easy drinking. Um, it's like the dry, perfect summer white. white yeah. Uh, yeah, these crisp. are all dry. If you like Sauvignon Blanc, this would be a grape to try. Except not a lot of grapefruit. It has body Clean. and just terrific. It's around Clean this one crisp. is around fifteen dollars. It's a uh, Calasole Vermentino. Really quite wonderful. It would go with so many things if you're still looking for a crisp white. I know I am. Or you know, if you're a Pinot Grigio drinker, this would be something to explore next. Yeah. When I taste it, I think of, you know, this time of year when you've got all that bursting basil, fresh basil plants, a nice pesto dish with this would be incredible, or grilled vegetables. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's easy to say it goes with seafood, Mm -hmm. but uh, chicken dishes, grilled chicken dishes – it's a crisp, refreshing white wine, and it does have – there's some texture to it. Yeah, you know, structure. This, this, this has layers. Couple, yeah. It has layers. It, it actually – when it's on your palate, it almost has a little bit of viscosity to it. You know, it has a little bit of weight to it. It's kind of nice. They're easy to overlook because you, you don't know what it is, but Vermentino is just the grape, and they're always so well-priced and generally really delicious. Yeah, it's definitely something to look for when you're in a restaurant and you're looking mm-hmm. for a lighter, crisper wine that goes with just about everything. That's – yeah. I just want people to get to know Vermentino the way they know Pinot Grigio. It feels comfortable to order Pinot Grigio. I find that almost every Vermentino I've had, I've enjoyed. This is one of them. And we tell you what to say at your wine store so they can look it up for you immediately. But it's around $14, $15 a bottle. And it is posted with the label at foochmoose.org. Coming up, the Great Grilled Cheese Book for our classic love. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. We're always online waiting to make you happy at foodschmooze.org. Stay with us. Faith Middleton, this is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, that meets the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken, and to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Here is the fun part. I've been waiting for this. 
we are all huge grilled cheese lovers. We love them all kinds of ways. We seek out restaurants that serve them certain ways that we love, and then we like to make them at home. So we found this book, Eric Greenspan, who's a great food guy, and he has done grown-up recipes for a childhood classic. It's called The Great Grilled Cheese Book. We're going to cruise through some of those. But the fun part for me, Eric, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party, is that... Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I hear a little person in the background. I'm dying to know who that is. Who is it? That is my youngest son, Meyer. Uh <sighs> Turns out Meyer had to stay home with me today. So, and Meyer is already a big fan of the book as well. All he right, just, he was actually just coming through. And he goes, "Daddy's book." Very <laughs> oh my cool. God, that is so great. How do you think the classic? You have the classic in here. How do you think yep. the classic should be made? The classic is obviously it's white bread and American cheese. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. No, I know. It's clearly cheddar. No. What is wrong? No, I'm no. Okay with cheddar on bread. Yeah. I just don't think it's a classic. Uh-oh. Or is it Velveeta? Okay. We did the chapters based on cheese, right? And so I wanted to lead with American cheese. But, you know, American cheese is a little bit different than some of the other cheeses. And so I wanted, like, how do I chef this up and make this interesting for our more involved foodie readers? And so we have a recipe in there for making your own American cheese. Yeah, we have to talk about this because this is something that Alex would do in particular. Make his own American cheese? Oh, totally. Alex, am I right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, so <laughs> Let me hear the hard. recipe first. <laughs> All you're doing is you're melting cheese. I oftentimes use cheddar. I'll sometimes throw a little mozzarella in there for, like, kind of stretchability. But you can literally melt any cheese that you want. Ideally, it's not a very hard cheese, like a Gouda or a Parmesan, but, like, pretty much any cheese. Put it in a food processor, heat up milk and butter and maybe some fillings, and then you pour that hot milk into a food processor with the cheese and blend it. Now, most, like, your classically manufactured American cheeses have a thing called sodium citrate in it, which emulsifies it back together again. But what I use instead, because, like, I don't know about you, but most people I know don't have sodium citrate in their cupboard. I don't. Um, well, I do. But, I have pounds of it. I never can think what to do with it. <laughs> it never goes bad. Uh, well, what I've done with this recipe is I've just thrown in tapioca. That's the smart. tapioca stabilizes the whole together. You put it in a mold, you cool it down, and you're good to go. I like it. I no, like it. it. You got American no, cheese. No, but here's a variation on this because you also do that, plus you're adding beer. How cool is so that? So that makes yeah, it American. Beer cheese. We do it. We do a chili, like a sriracha cheese. Oh, we do a Ooh, sriracha. So this but is the you, same base can, recipe with but, different ingredients. Yes. Can you hear how that's the base, and it's not yeah. complicated? No, just melt some cheese and milk and throw and in some tapioca. And a little tapioca flour with a little yeah. salt and butter and milk, and there you go. I think that processed cheese in itself has a bad stigma, and I think it's because of like the Kraft Singles. No, no offense to them, but like they're obviously not a natural product, right? They, they don't even say um, cheese. They say cheese food. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to show American cheese in a way that, because look, I love American cheese. I think it's great. And, and there's ways to really have it in a way that's a little bit more natural and better done. See, at the James Beard Awards, at some point they're going to do an award for someone who has ingredients that uh, resemble things on earth. And Eric is going to qualify for that <laughs> with, the, with his um, cheese recipe because really these are things we all know. Chris, we made one of Eric's sandwiches oh, at uh, mm-hmm. lunchtime, and why don't you do the testimony for this sandwich? It's a good sandwich. It's the Elvis. 
which is oh, a peanut butter spread. That's a fine choice. So it's a little bit of peanut butter and goat cheese that you heat up in a pan, put it in a food processor, add bacon fat to it. And then you spread that onto your bread. <laughs> Crispy bacon goes on next. And then slices a banana. So the cheese mixture is goat cheese yeah. and – And peanut butter and then the bacon little bit fat. of the fat from the bacon that you baked off nice and crispy. Uh-huh. And? Oh, it's Garnish good. with Lipitor. Garnish with Lipitor. Come on. We could all no, use a little extra all right, in our diet. So, Eric, what's the story with this sandwich? First of all, I'm a big Elvis Presley fan. At, at my original restaurant, so I. Melrose, I used to dress up like Elvis every Halloween, and I would do an entire <laughs> so set. <laughs> uh, I would, I'd have the onesie on and the cape, and I would no. have roses. So I in his later years. There, there's no photographic evidence because my wife has burned all pictures. <laughs> but we used to do that. And it's basically, look, it's a play on Elvis's favorite sandwich, right? Bacon, peanut butter, and bananas on white bread was Elvis's mm. classically favorite sandwich. Now, I had to figure out a way to turn it into a grilled cheese. So adding that goat cheese and cutting the, the peanut butter with the goat cheese brings this like kind of acidity that, that strangely enough, in this sandwich, the cheese cuts the fat. Does that make sense? Like, it actually cuts the richness because it has that acidity. That is saying the something. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, because this is grilled cheese for grown-ups, and it is called The Great Grilled Cheese Book by Eric Greenspan. And there are th- combinations in here. I know you are interested in covering the part of the audience that is very much into food and will have short uh-huh. ribs lying around. For those who don't, we just want to add this. If you are making something, just stop and think, Would this be kind of great to make a grilled cheese? And if it is, just take a small bowl of it, put a little of that to the side and stick it in the refrigerator. And then the point is you will use that to go with your melted cheese when you make a grilled cheese. Right, Eric? Absolutely. We explore a lot of flavors. We introduce you to a lot of different techniques to make things that are a little bit more challenging but to make them easier at home. But it's also, and I'm very clear about this in the book, is that this book is more of a guide. Grilled cheeses are fun and to be playful. And if you don't have the time or what part of a recipe seems daunting, like just do half of the recipe. Don't do the short ribs. Just do the apricot caper puree on the champ. Don't be tied to the recipe as much as know about how far you can take a grilled cheese and start to play. Because that's really what this book is about for me. It's about getting people to play with their food. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. I like the way you say that. By the way, the Elvis is on our website, foodschmooze.org, and information about Eric's book. And it is so much fun because we're grilled cheese fans, and I bet you are too. I know so few people who don't love – is that it's a double negative? Yeah. I was just hearing the press. I don't want to know those people. I don't want to know them. No, no, no. Um, so we have a sandwich, uh, grilled cheese, called the Gobbler, and yep, it is cranberry olive tapenade. And we're talking there about fresh cranberries, cranberry juice, oh. niçoise oh. olives, capers, 
garlic, and olive oil. There's a lot of different recipes in this book for different spreads, obviously. Some of them are savory, some of them are sweet, some of them are a combination of the two. Like The best part about this book is to pick out some of those spreads and some of those jams and marmalades, because you can just have that with whatever cheese you want on a grilled cheese, and it's mm-hmm. going to bring a fun, delicious element to it. Now, I put the cranberry all top it on in this one because the gobbler for me is the play on, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but my favorite part about Thanksgiving, which is Friday, <laughs> after Thanksgiving, <laughs> when, when you're yeah. making leftover sandwiches. And so that's kind of where this comes in. The cranberry all top it on is a way of kind of taking what would have been cranberry sauce. And by the way, you can also just do that. You could take cranberry sauce and olives and mix it together and mm. you're close enough to having a, a cranberry olive top of So if you end up having a party where you buy a turkey, which you certainly uh-huh. can do any time of year, and also tuck this away. It's on our website, foodschmooze.org. Tuck it away for the time of year when this is super appropriate. Super great autumn recipe. I want to do one more. Thank you for letting us post these, but this is the mole melt. Uh, so ah, this is Alex. You mm. are in Phoenix, Arizona, right now. So you get this cotija cheese, which we can now get in yeah. any supermarket, and yep. Yep. wheat bread with chorizo and beans, um, a, a chocolate mole mayonnaise, uh, which is that sounds delicious. Ah, wow, Eric, can we talk about what is in this because? This is an amazing mixture of things. I'm from Los Angeles, right? And so there's a lot of Mm. great, great, great Mexican food here. For me, the best thing about Mexican food is a mole sauce. There's just so much depth and so much flavor and technique that goes into it. But obviously, I wanted to create a mole that was easy to make at home. So this is kind of like a one-pot mole where I take all the things like the dried fruits and the nuts and the fruit juice and the spices and the chilies, even the chocolate, and just kind of boil it all together until everything's soft and then puree it. What you'll find, though, is that that mole is super intense in flavor. And so to kind of stretch it out and to make it a little bit creamy and a little mm-hmm. bit easier to, to balance with all the other, I mean, because this is a big flavor bomb of a sandwich. There's a lot going on. So to kind of mellow it out, I just take a little bit of mayo, and I take that mole that we make, that quick mole, blend it all together, and you've got this amazingly kind of sweet and salty and nutty and spicy mayonnaise that, you can easily just eat on, on tortilla chips and be just fine, but it balances huh. this sandwich so well with the kind of bean and chorizo spread, and then we serve with some some hot sauce, pickled onions, um, and all that gooey cheese. This sandwich is something else. It's one of the easier sandwiches to make in the book. That, it sounds complicated, but it's super easy. That's a great tip that this, if you make a little extra of this when you're doing this grilled cheese, you can use it as a dip for family on the weekend or an upcoming party. Some of these quantities for like a lot of the sauces and the spreads and stuff like that, just to, because let's say we're using a blender or a food processor, just to make that blender spin, you're going to be making more than you need for the four sandwiches. You end up building this arsenal of sauces and jams and tapenades and spreads that'll last for weeks in your fridge, and you can use them for making these sandwiches again and again and again, or you can use them on all sorts of other things. It's Again, part of the fun about this is to, to taste these new tastes and these new spreads and be like, what else can I eat this with? Can I scramble this with 
eggs? Can I, can I dip chips in this? Like, what other fun things can I do? It's Roll around. In the, okay, so, so let me say... Um, you can bathe in it. You can bathe in it. Make um, a face mask. Yep, face mask. Yes, exactly. Um, so abuelita Mexican hot chocolate, and we see that now in many stores, fresh orange juice, some roasted peanuts. These are all gettable. Dried apricots, golden raisins, chilies, garlic, ground cumin, coriander seeds that you toast in a dry pan, and then that one cup of mayonnaise that Eric was talking about. That all comes together. Now, that is an amazing dip. And can you imagine that on the sandwich? And cheese has that quality of cutting richness and heat. In mole, as Mexicans do it in true fashion, right, Alex, is very complex very, um, and these are all gettable in your supermarket. What a fun yeah, thing to make for people. At our food site, foodschmooze.org. Eric, I see that you've dipped into the south doing pimento American <laughs> cheese. I like that. I love pimento you like that? cheese. Yeah. yeah. Pimento cheese is one of my favorite cheeses that's in this. I mean, like, I wanted to make sure that I kind of covered a whole bunch of different flavor spectrums. I mean, one of the things that I love about being an American is all of the regional cooking that happens in this country, from the south to the northeast to the Pacific Northwest to the southwest to, you know, to the heartland. There's so many different great culinary traditions. I would be remiss to have a cookbook that focuses on cheese and grilled cheese sandwiches mm -hmm. and not include a pimento cheese. Because, like, to me, that is one of, and I know I'm gonna, there's going to be some backlash on this, but I personally think one of the great cheeses of America is pimento cheese. It's delicious. You know, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, not, I wouldn't call it the most artisanal. No, I get but you. But it's Flavorful. definitely something that speaks to our culinary traditions and I think is amazingly delicious. <laughs> It really is. I got to get with my friend Ida Franklin, who's from Georgia, and she knows uh, pimento yep. cheese. I have to get to know this cheese. And it's here so it is good. right here, how to make your own people. And yeah. it's, it's just a variation of his American cheese recipe. Eric, thank you so much. You are a fun guest. Glad you guys have enjoyed the sandwiches and enjoyed the book. Thank you. Eric Greenspan, author of The Great Grilled Cheese Book, recipes on our website with information about this. And these are grown-up recipes for a childhood classic. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.